Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we're going to be talking about what it means to go into birth intuitively. If you've never been pregnant before, you've probably wondered, how will I know when labor starts? Only to have moms tell you, oh, you'll know. But what else will you know? And how can you use it to your advantage during labor? To learn more, today I'll be talking to the extremely perceptive Leslie Everest. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by the first eight days of being a mom, a day-by-day manual on taking care of the new mom as well as her newborn. Get a 10% discount by going to thefirst8days.com slash birthful. That's with the number eight, thefirst8days.com slash birthful. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, mamas and mamas-to-be. I've got to be honest with you. Today, I'm giddy. A giddy about having Leslie Everest on the show. Leslie is such a centered and loving soul that it's impossible not to, fee- not to feel comfor- comforted in her presence. She also has the uncanny ability to balance that with a no-nonsense attitude and the acute perception of subtleties. This, no doubt, makes her a remarkable doula, and that's a good thing, since she's been supporting families during every phase of the childbearing year for over two decades now. She is the founder and director of Mother Wit Doula Care, and in addition to her busy doula practice, Leslie travels, travels around Canada teaching the Mother Wit Holistic Birth Doula Training and Postpartum Doula Training, as well as workshops on self-care to birth workers. Over the years, Leslie has has studied and practiced many healing modalities, such as psychosynthesis psychotherapy, polarity therapy, Swedish massage, pre-perinatal massage, and Reiki. That's a mouthful. (laughs) So a lot of energy work, which makes her the perfect person to be talking about going into birth intuitively. Oh, and she's also a mother of four. Leslie, so great to have you here today. Oh my goodness. I think that may have been the nicest introduction I have ever had in my life. I'm actually feeling a little verklempt about it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm also giddy. I will echo your word because you know I love you. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) It's so nice to talk to you always. And it's like the more I talk, every time I finish talking to you, I feel so happy and and just centered and good. So yeah, I hope all the listeners will feel that way too. Hi, listeners from Montreal. Very cold day today. Mm-hmm. So talk, going into birth intuitively, tell us what does that mean? Okay, that's a big topic, but I kind of thought about it and tried to pare it down a little bit. Um And I just kind of want to make mention of um, how important that is to me as a doula, how important I believe that is in the landscape of birthing. In fact, the name of my doula company um, is Motherwit, and this refers to an innate deep body knowing. So it's a very intuitive wisdom that I believe all people have access to. And so my job, I feel, as a doula is to help activate that desire that the body and the mind and the psyche 
has to be in balance and to heal. And so um, when we can help whisper that intuition um, into being in people, I really believe they can approach their birth in a more empowered way. So I think that in speaking about what to do in order to approach birth intuitively is to take a little bit of a look at our typical modern birth culture and, and look at the stumbling blocks maybe that get in the way to try to kind of illuminate how a lot of people are not approaching birth intuitively and how this can have an impact upon how their birth and their, and their mothering flows from there. So when I think about if I try to kind of embody uh, um, the mind of a sweet new mother-to-be who is about to give birth and try to get into her head and look around and see what she is exposed to, I sense a lot of fear. Mm -hmm. So as we know, just on a physiological level, when a mother is feeling afraid, um, this increases hormones in her body that actually counteract a lot of the really good hormones that help to make labor and birth flow appropriately. And unfortunately, our modern birth culture is kind of rife with a lot of fear. And you'll probably agree <laughs> with me on that, and many would. So being that new mom, I look around and every time I turn on the television and it has to do with birth, there are terrible stories or very dramatic um, accounts of birth. Mm -hmm. If I talk to um, my friends, many of them come away from their experiences saying, oh, that was really awful. That was really traumatic. And um, we hear stories from our mothers about how birth was terrifying. And it's shocking to me how many of my clients come to me with such high levels of fear concerning their birth experiences and not just fear about everything going okay in birth but fear about how things might be done to them in the birth so people are coming in quite anxious i feel like extremely and, extremely yeah. anxious um yeah. i find i just I, we were talking earlier i had a birth on tuesday this was a repeat um family so i was there for the first one and tuning into her she was talking about how during her last weeks everybody was sharing these horrible stories with her um that was not helping her, the challenge she had in front of her and it just messes with your head and i almost find that the moms that do have a really great experience feel that they can't share that because they i don't know it's like being apologetic about having a good birth yeah. experience do you find that I really do. And, um, you know, in order to sort of honor the feelings about the people who are afraid or maybe who didn't have a good birth experience, um, I think that it is important for people to tell their good stories and to do it quite gently, you know, cognizant of how other people feel, but not to the point where people are silenced. They need to tell their good birth stories because the good birth stories are the ones that help to counteract fear. And so we really, I, I think, need to expose people to the good birth stories and sort of risk maybe people thinking we're being impolite or that we're, you know, just lucky. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that, you know, how we approach birth, it definitely has an impact. Now, 
of course, I don't want to say that if you just lose all of your fear, you're going to have a perfect birth. That's that's not true. We don't have control over birth because we don't ever want to forget that it isn't just about what we do. We have a little passenger who has a mind of their own when we are pregnant. And sometimes they have different ideas from what we do. But I do feel like if we can get really centered and approach birth from as little with as little anxiety as possible we influence our experience if we cannot control it and that influence is really powerful so um how do we counteract fear that is one of the questions and so like you're saying i think daring to share the good stories um and just going there even if we're a little bit afraid about hurting people's feelings um i think perpetuating the fear hurts people's feelings more mm -hmm. in the end. So I think we can dare to take risks to share our stories in, in loving ways um, and aware ways. And I think, um, you know, I really like to speak to the mother wit in each person who is with me. They come to me and I try to tell everybody kind of the same story if it is appropriate for their situation um, and for most people it is i kind of remind them that it's only in the last couple of hundred years or so that we've had the help of serious modern obstetrics where we can get safe cesareans and safe um, uh, pain control and things like that and so what i like to speak to is the fact that there are about seven billion people on the planet mm -hmm. or more and most of them were very likely born without a lot of intervention at all, um, never mind the, the fancy modern stuff that we have in, in our Western culture. And, um, and also to look even beyond that, like just that in itself is evidence that birth pretty much works contrary to popular belief. I think the popular belief is that it's a, a disaster waiting to happen and that we need to be told how dilated we are before we can push and how to push and all these sort of things. And, and this just isn't really true as evidenced by how many people birth without quite well without that. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, think about it. We, we only have had, you know, obstetric intervention in the last couple of hundred years. So if you're here today, except for maybe some of the glitches that have happened with over intervening, let's say, a woman comes from a line of virtually unbroken maternal pelvises, mm -hmm. if you think about it from her right to the very beginning of her line. And that goes back many, 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 many generations. And so I really feel that means within each woman is a blueprint of birthing magnificence encoded into her cells. And that if she can find a place within her where she has access to this, this helps her to give birth in a strong and empowered way. And it helps to counteract the fear of, am I good enough? Um, am I going to be able to do that? To counteract what Ina May Gaskin, the midwife, says, the body as lemon syndrome. I think a lot of people are walking around wondering if their body, bodies are lemons. And the truth is, is the fact that we're here at all is usually, in most cases, evidence that, in fact, our bodies are incredibly powerful and meant to do this beautiful, amazing thing called birth. And I feel 
the, you know, that magnificence of, of birth that the that is intrinsic in us for generations um, does count, go, not go against, but we forget that because not just for birth, but as women in, in Western society, we kind of have a constant body bashing. Like, yes. It's not just for birth. It's in general, our bodies are always to this or to that or not tall enough, not thin, and we don't love our bodies enough. Yes. yes. Um, and so when it comes to this huge event that involves our bodies, we're already maybe not trusting of it, which it, there's so much undoing that needs to happen in preparation. Exactly. Um, so mm -hmm. tough. It's really tough. And, you know, as doulas, you and I are doulas, we often don't have the amount of time that I think so many women could benefit from really going deeply. Um, and I am really wanting to sort of expand my practice a little bit to help women really go deeply into themselves and to sort of tap in to that code within them that knows how to birth and knows how to bring that birthing excellence into whatever setting is right for them. So it's not to judge and say, well, just because there are this many people in birth works, you should go birth in a field somewhere. I'm not saying that, you know, we come into the world with our own preferences and our own needs. And I really want to honor that in our birth cultures. So I really want to see a world in which a woman can birth powerfully and supported and feel amazing and really, you know, feel into that magnificence in whatever setting that she ends up being in. And even if things are happening not according to her plan, to be able to have her birth held without a lot of fear from her caregivers and so that she feels nourished and supported and excellent no matter how things unfold. That's really what I would like to see. And that's a tremendous amount of work. And um, I really think that what, you know, people who are really interested in sort of unpacking some of their fear about birth need to do is take the time and the opportunity to go really deeply. And that is also hard because people are rush, 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 work, 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 and are maybe not taking the time beyond, you know, learning their breathing techniques and, and doing five minutes of relaxation a day to really prepare for this incredible event. And I think it takes more attention than we're giving it. Yeah. Generally. And it's mm -hmm. a balance of that, of having to face your fears. And also, I find that giving them, you know, there, there's there's one uh, story or item that I always try to c comment to uh, my clients about how, and, and we get into talking about what labor kind of, you know, looks like and expect. And, at one, and when we're talking about posterior babies or, you know, the baby's position and the importance of that and the flow and just as general information, and I'm big on information, um, I I tell them about how if a baby does, is coming in an interior position, so in an ideal position, moves down and as the head hits the pubic bone, like, you know, the back of the head hits the pubic bone, yep. instinctively the babies um, will will lean their head back yep. because they have that reflex there and it's a reflex for birthing. Yeah. And invariably I get surprised looks of like, wait a second, 
there's mechanisms in this to make it happen. I'm like, yeah, you wouldn't believe how many mechanisms there are in here of nature and those thousands of years that's come before you to make sure the human species sticks around. Yeah, it's amazing. And I think we also forget that babies are active participants in their birth experience. They're not just necessarily at the mercy of our body squeezing them out. They're like moving their little heads around and trying to figure out where the right space is. And yeah, to come into the ideal position that matches his mama's environment is, is amazing. And even if it isn't, they know how to mold their little heads to make them smaller, you know? Yeah, and that pelvis stretches. Contingency plans built into these mechanisms. So it's really quite marvelous. Um, And we don't get to see a lot of the marvels here because so many women are, are, you know, are kind of forced in the hospital system anyway. Um, Well, I don't want to say forced because I don't want to blame medical practitioners because, you know, I have a good relationship with medical practitioners and I feel like they're really trying to do their best given the situation that they have. But there is little tolerance, I feel, given a lot of fear and given, you know, insurance and things like that, blah, 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 that will allow a woman to continue a birth for a long time and give her baby space to work things out. Yeah, and also the... The how much we don't know about the brain, about the body, about how things connect with one another, another about how you know that baby comes out and oxytocin goes up, and as you breastfeed, then that creates more oxytocin that contracts the uterus so that it clamps down yeah. and you stop bleeding. Like really great mechanisms that flow all one into another, and those are the only ones, the ones we know about. I don't know how much. I always think there's so much more we don't know. Um, and when we mess with it, it affects it. I agree. And I feel like the more in tune a woman is with her labor, the more access she has to her resource of mother with, of that deep body intuition. And I'm sure that you have a ton of stories having witnessed birth where you see the evidence of this intuition. It's like mama and baby are speaking to each other through you know, neurochemicals and, and electrical impulses and wordless stuff. You know, I remember being with a mama once, just one example out of a billion, you know, <laughs> um, being with this mother, all she wanted was to have a water birth. Like she was a student of mine and she wrote her paper on water birth. All she wanted to do was birth in the water. It was a really deep desire. And so, you know, now she's in the water and she's in labor and this birthing tub is set up and she's having a beautiful, beautiful, powerful labor. And, you know, kind of at the last minute, she says, you know what? I need out of the water. And we were all kind of like, really? You really wanted to be in here? She said, no, I need to get it out of the water. And we're like, okay. So we just, you know, she was very mobile. So we just kind of helped her a little bit out of the tub. And she hopped up onto the bed and she gave birth. And wouldn't you know, the baby's cord was so short that they could barely put the baby onto her belly at all. Like it just kind of stayed, the baby stayed on her thigh. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it was the really tiniest little cord. It barely came out of her. Um, And so had she given birth in the water, we wouldn't have been able to lift the baby out of the water. 
which wouldn't have been, you know, dangerous because, you know, babies can be underwater for a little bit, but it would have taken everybody to sort of get under her arms and legs and haul her out of the tub and put her on to, you know, the bed. So um, it would have been uh, awkward and uncomfortable. So this mother's intuition, I really feel kicked in, like baby said, no, get out of the water. And so how that speaks is through intuition. And I just have so many stories. I could write a book on the amazingly you should. <laughs> intuitive stories that you will see when you're holding birth um, and you're free from doing all the clinical stuff and you're just witnessing women, you know, being so in tune. Um, and it's really amazing to watch. Yeah. So we have it in us. Yeah. Even if you think you're not intuitive, you are. Yeah, and and when you're pregnant and when you're giving birth, you're you're more you're definitely more attuned to yes. that partnership with the baby and and more impressionable too. Um, so, okay, so giving birth intuitively, intuitively, um, most moms nowadays or a great percentage of them do give birth in the hospital, mm-hmm. and we know that the system is not necessarily set up to take away the fear and mm-hmm. let that intuition flow. So what are some of the tips and tricks that you can suggest to tap into that intuition? Okay. Um, well, I think that it, it kind of goes both ways. Um, I think that it's really important for a birther to have around them um, a support system, at least one or two people who really holds rock solid in belief in her. Because, you know, I really kind of believe in energy impacting situations. So if you're in a hospital, that is quite a fearful environment to begin with. So if somebody comes in with her and really believes in her and surrounds her with the trust in her intuition, I think that holds a space for her to have more access to that. It's a little bit like the Heisenberg principle, how you observe something changes how it is. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think our belief and trust in a birthing person in our presence can help maybe to counteract and buffer some of the fear that's there. So that would be one level. But as an internal resource, I I encourage people to sort of shy away to the fullest degree of some of the the greatest ritual of going into labor is what I call the timing of the contractions ritual. And from my experience, I actually find that this practice in many cases can be more harmful than helpful because what it does is it builds expectations. Okay. There's an expectation that is based actually upon a a more medical model, um, based upon an extrapolated from Friedman's curve, that labor is supposed to progress in a certain way. And you know, as doulas, we've been been trained how to do this. So time your contractions, and once they're coming every five minutes for an hour and are lasting a minute, off you go to the hospital. Well, for some women, that's way too early. And for some women, that's way too late. So I think paying attention to the flow of hormones and to the feelings and to all of, you know, what's going on in concert with the woman is 
a lot more important than this expectation that you are somewhere on a curve just because your contractions are behaving a certain way. I think that it, that is not the most accurate way to determine how birth is unfolding. And that's a bit of a shocker to people because that's so incredibly ingrained. Another thing is just because you're two centimeters dilated doesn't mean that you're on this part of the curve. I've seen mamas who are having their first babies at two centimeters and intuitively as a doula, I know she's in, she's in transition and I don't care if her cervix has been told to be two centimeters. You just know that thing is going to open because her contractions and her behavior is so deep into the process. So I think that intuitively, if we could just begin to let go of that ritual a little bit, we use it as a guide. Certainly, we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater because it does give us some information. And like you say, information is important. But I think we hold fast to it. And I think we can let it go a little bit and trust other things. Put it this way, a clock or a number will never tell you when you're going to have a baby. And I feel like if a mother can continue to time contractions, in most cases, that's indicative of not really being an act of labor. So maybe if somebody is really attached to timing contractions, maybe at the point at which she can no longer time contractions would be a good indication of when she might be into that more active labor phase. <laughs> the baby's soon to come. And, and it's so true because it's not a linear process. It, no. it can speed up. It can slow down. It can take a break. It can come back. It can, it ebbs and flows for sure. Yeah, it does. And, and mothers know the closer they get to birth, the more they know things are happening. So while it frustrates me a little bit, it also kind of makes me laugh when I hear a mother saying, baby's coming. And the caregiver you know, like maybe, you know, a really young resident who doesn't have a lot of experience with birth says, no, no, I just checked you in 20 minutes ago. (laughs) You were four centimeters. I mean, dude, there's a baby coming through your vagina. You, you know, (laughs) (laughs) to have someone says, no, according to the curve, that's not possible is a little bit of a buzzkill. It it can hurt your feelings (laughs) a little bit. Um, And unfortunately, I do see that quite a lot. I think that um, mothers need to be trusted far more than the clock is trusted. Mm -hmm. And those vaginal texts are just snapshots. It's just wherever you happen to take that picture and just doesn't indicate anything of what's going to come after. Nope. Tells you where you've been at some point. Mm-hmm. No, we don't know when exactly. Sometime between the last check and this check tells you where you've been, but it doesn't tell you where you're going. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> when we talked um, earlier, you had also mentioned, and this stayed with me, I'd made a note on it so, so we could talk about it on the show, um, about respecting the mother's way of processing data. If it was, you know, the way she she notices what's going on with her if it's more auditory or more can you speak more about that yeah well when i teach childbirth education classes i kind of very much come from the place that all of the methods out there have incredible value the problem with some of them is that they not that they claim to be but they're just developed as such that it's like a one size fits all kind of thing. But we are all so incredibly individual and we come to birth um, with 
all of our stuff with who we are. And all of us have different ways we um, process information and data and sensations. So some women are very, um, very much auditory. So they might be the type of people who in birth will like to make noise or who might like to um, say mantras or affirmations to themselves or like to have people to talk to them or to have the room completely silent so they can focus on their internal noise. Um, or you might have some people who are not auditory at all and are very much more visual who respond a lot more to looking at something while all of the sensation is flowing around them. You know, they anchor into staring at something or into someone's eyes or like to go inside and look at internal visualizations um, and, and have people say guided imagery to them. And then you have some people who don't like any of that and are actually just very kinesthetic. And so they like to move and shake. They like to walk through their labor. They like to dance. They like to pound their fists and and all of that, most people are kind of a combination of a couple with two um, two ways of processing that are stronger than another. And so I really like to encourage people to be who they are. So if I get someone in my care who doesn't know how to visualize, and I'll check in on that, teaching them how to visualize is going to be a little bit lost in translation. And so we will focus on something else and we'll really tailor coping skills. I don't like to use the word pain management because I feel that that's, a, a, uh, that's in the realm of the medical. And that's a good thing for people who want it. But I don't help people manage pain. I help people to build coping skills and to really tune in to how they process stuff. So, you know, for me, I'm a yeller and I really <laughs> yell really loudly in birth and I make no apologies for that. And sometimes people, you know, if I have a caregiver in my presence who's not used to that, they might say, Leslie, you're out of control. And my answer would be, no, this is my control. Mm -hmm. This is my coping and it's nothing for you to be afraid of. So I think that if a mother is, you know, progressing and looking really good and able to um, we're seeing the oxytocin flow on her face and she's relaxing between her contractions. Um, I think that whatever it is she's doing can be encouraged without us being afraid that she'll like turn into some kind of raving banshee or something. I think people are afraid that she's just going to lose her sanity or something. And that's just not how it goes. Um, no, because moms, I mean, even though you go into labor land, even though you go to... Uh, definitely a very mind and body and spirit connected place, you're still aware of what's happening to you yes. and aware of everything around you. You you really are. You kind of retain that witness spot. Like I remember I have distinct memories of myself yelling really loudly in labor going, wow, you're being really dramatic right now. You would not do this normally out in public. This is so cool. Like, <laughs> don't retain your your inner self. You don't lose yourself. You just, you know, it just takes sort of a backseat and you're more witnessing body just doing its thing. And as I like to tell people, we don't do our labors. You know, we don't do birth. Birth does us, really. So we true. open to it and we're the vessels of this energy that's going to come through inexorably to get the job done. Yeah, you know, we can't stay pregnant forever, whether we like it or not, it's going to come. And how we open to it and surrender to it and trust our own 
processing without people kind of interjecting interjecting how we should be this is what's going to get us through it's to surrender in our own way and be supported for that absolutely and it's i i like that you brought up the the noise the the being okay to roar that baby out oh yeah um if if that's the case because we we you know we kind of even judge ourselves of wow this is very loud and yes. i see it in in the birthing room if a mom in in another room is being loud the mom i'm with is thinking oh no that's they have a hard time i think i think everybody around has a harder time processing <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> the loudness and when the mom herself is not I, like you said, out of control is more just that's how she's coping. Exactly. And it's beautiful. I love that about birth. There's you, you never see the same birth twice, not even with the same woman. It's always so different. There are different nuances. And it's just so spectacular to me how people think that they can't birth and then they just do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, and, and you know this, being an experienced doula, and this is something that I, I, you know, I really want to impact uh, upon anybody, you know, any any mothers to be who are going to be listening, that the anticipatory anxiety around birth tends to be so much worse than when you're actually in it. Um, and and you know, I'm sure you can speak to this, where you have people who have been really scared of birth, but once the hormones start flowing. It's like they really guide us into this place of relaxing. We can get chock full of endorphins and they help us to, you know, chill out and let things happen a lot more. Even in kind of high tech environments, I I still see more natural birth than I don't, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that just believing that once you get into the labor, you're probably going to be less anxious in the process than you were now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that's true if you can let it take over. Because yeah. I find that if you get a mom that's resisting the process, yeah. then she's going to have a harder time. Yes, that is true. That is true. Um, but, you know, labor is strong. And labor is wily, and women can give birth even when bombs are going off, and um, and tragedy is happening all around. And so I think sometimes, as as intuitive birth practitioners, we can sometimes I think get caught up in saying if this happens, then this can do that. And I try not to build up that expectation because I have seen too many women birth so easily and incredibly with like the craziest threats of intervention. And I really want people to know how possible that is. Like technically women are not supposed to have orgasmic births on epidurals because we interfere with the, the hormones and all that that allow it to happen. But I'll tell you, I've seen it. <laughs> so I have seen a lot of things that are contrary to popular belief. And I think that even, even as birth workers who really support the intuitive process, we always have to be careful of, um, seeing what we believe 
as opposed to believing what we see. The mid uh, a midwife that um, I know and love, Gail Hart. Um, mm-hmm. She says, yeah. This is something that she says, and that's always really stuck with me. Let's really kind of believe what is there in front of us at the time instead of potentially creating a situation in which we end up, um, you know, seeing what we believe. You know, a caregiver walks in and goes, well, because your contractions are like this and your dilation is like this and it's been at this for this time, then this stuff could happen. And we know that that's not necessarily true. So I think that, um, yes, fear definitely can play, a, can, a, can impact birth. But I really want to be mindful of women who are feeling really afraid that they're not going to shoot themselves in their own foot if they go in afraid. I think that we can be afraid and we can do it anyway. And yeah. I think, yeah, having the right... Um, Having someone with you, I think having an anchor can be really important um, for a lot of women to really kind of shape shift <laughs> the fear and belief that's around you. Having an anchor is mm-hmm. really important. Having someone who's just space for you. If you don't have someone, look at the tree outside. No, it's holding space for you. Or that's something somewhere, something is holding space for well, you. Well, it goes back to that, you know, if you think you can, if you think you can't, you're right. Yeah, it has to come. Definitely have an anchor. Definitely have a, yeah people who support you when things might get different. Yes, different. That's yeah, a good way of it. yeah, exactly. And and you know what? Inevitably, something will go different. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that you can go back to your resolve of yes, I can do this because yeah. at the end, no matter how many you know, everybody can support you, and everybody can or or not support you, or no matter what's going on around you. I find that it's the birthing mom that needs to be that that needs to do the work and yes. it's about building her up so that she can believe in herself and 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 do it with her baby. Exactly. And don't you ever get it, you know, where you're with you're out of a birth with someone and they come through it and they look at the people around them and go, Thank you so much. I couldn't have done it without you and you're like, What do you mean? You did it. Mm-hmm. We didn't we just stood here and believed in your awesomeness. That's all we did. And you know what? Even if we weren't here, yeah, you would have done it. Um, maybe not with as much love and support, certainly, but you you still would have done it because your body knows how to work. So, yeah, it's kind of finding that balance, I think, between making sure moms know that they're doing it themselves and then making sure that their environment is supportive. I think if we can get those two things together, we can create the potential for the most delicious birth possible. And when things kind of go snafu also, and, you know, mm-hmm. it goes much more differently than we ever planned or expected, because as you know, you can be incredibly prepared and not fearful. And, and there is a small percentage of time where things unfold. Then we change into a place where, you know, mom might be, I can't have a cesarean. Oh my gosh, I can't have a, a, a cesarean. Um, well, a, a really supportive presence can come in and say, yeah, we are at this place that we never really wanted to be at. But you know what? This is still a sacred unfolding. And this is still a birth. This is still, this is the way that your baby is coming into the world. And let's hold this now. And you can do this. You can birth in this way that you never thought that you could face and you can do it and it's going to be okay Mm -hmm. absolutely oh we could talk all day 
Yes. <laughs> that half hour went by quick. <laughs> half hour already. Already. Um, we'll have to have you back for more at some point because it's just too like delicious birth. We'll, we should have a, one on that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Leslie, for being here today. Um, how? Last question is: How can listeners, if they want to get in contact with you or follow what you're doing or take a workshop or something, how can they reach you? Um, really easily. They can go to info at motherwit.ca. And can you repeat um, that? Because I think we had a little technical glitch. There was like a, a little sound there. Okay, there are a couple of ways. Um, you can go to my website, um, which is www.motherwit.ca. Um, you can email me, info at motherwit.ca, or you can friend me on Facebook. I'm Motherwit Doula Leslie Everest, um, and that's Leslie with an EY. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll also include that in the show notes so people can see how it's written and linked through. Yay! <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> this was fabulous. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was great fun. Have many wonderful births, and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Have a good day. Thanks. Mamas, I love to hear from you. So share with me your thoughts, or if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about, tell me. Stay in touch by following Birthful on Facebook or Twitter. Even better, become a part of the Birthful community by subscribing at birthful.com. You'll get access to bonus episodes and other exclusive goodies. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another wonderful birth pro to help inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. <music>